Welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, interdisciplinary conversations about new works in the broad world of business research. I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast or sharing with others who might like it too. And if you have ideas for future episodes, let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Our guest today is Charles McClure, Assistant Professor of Accounting at the University of Chicago. We'll be discussing his paper, Disclosure Processing Costs and Market Feedback Around the World, which he wrote with co-authors Sean Shee of Stanford University and Edward Watts of Yale University. I'll link to the paper in the show notes for the episode. Charlie, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast. Hi, Andrew. It's great to be here. Charlie, I wondered if we could start with some really basic concepts that you talk about in this paper. In the capital markets, what are disclosure processing costs and what are disclosure technologies? Disclosure processing costs are really any effort that investors have to go through to process information, any information that's relevant for deciding whether or not to make an investment. So examples can include computational costs, paying for certain types of data like analyst reports, or even just the cognitive burden of sifting through all the information that's out there and distilling what's relevant. Now, disclosure technologies are anything that helps reduce these processing costs. It's anything that makes it easier to process this financial information. And what I mean by easier, it can be lowering the cost, like the physical cost, or the time. You know, we have access nowadays to so much information out there with the internet. We can look on Google Finance and Yahoo Finance to look up stock price information. But all these technologies don't necessarily have to be electronic. You can even go all the way back to Gutenberg's printing press or the Xerox machine or the fax machine to find evidence of disclosure technologies. I want to point out that actually the Xerox machine and the fax machine were two pieces of technology that really revolutionized the dissemination of information. I don't think people realize how impactful these technologies were, given how they've been all supplanted by the internet and email. Those are a couple of disclosure technologies that we've seen over time, and some of them are still with us. But your paper focuses on one disclosure technology in particular, and that is the Centralized Electronic Disclosure System, or CEDS. What is a CEDS? Uh, what's its purpose? And could you offer some brief overview of the history of CEDS adoption in the U.S. and other countries around the world? Yes. I mean, they're basically centralized platforms that are either run by the government or the stock exchange that require firms that are publicly traded to post information about their finances, like annual reports, or information about their corporate governance or shareholders. Now, to look historically, the United States was the first to adopt these platforms. Their platform is called EDGAR. It was first implemented in 1993 when publicly traded firms were required to file on the SEC's EDGAR website. Nowadays, you can freely access a firm's quarterly or annual reports to learn about the firm's finances, and you can also learn about executive compensation. But before Edgar, before 1993, if you wanted to look at a company's annual report, you would actually physically have to go to one of three reference rooms. One was hosted in Washington, D.C., another one in New York, and the third one was in Chicago. And for most investors, especially retail investors, traveling to one of these rooms was infeasible. So for these investors, accessing easily this financial information was extremely costly. And so a lot of investors had to rely on financial intermediaries like analysts to help distill some of this information. And essentially what the internet did, what the SEC realized is that with the introduction of the internet, 
an easy way to disseminate this information without requiring investors to physically show up at locations is that they could post this information online. And following the introduction of Edgar, a lot of other countries began to also make these requirements. Some of the early adopters following the United States would be Taiwan, Canada, and Korea. They started to make requirements in the late 1990s, and then a lot of other countries piled in starting in the mid-2000s. Most of these filing systems were very similar to the U.S. Edgar systems. However, there are some differences, in particular, what languages are firms required to file in, some of these platforms required a fee to access various reports, and also what types of reports are included. The U.S. Edgar systems is quite robust, and other ones are maybe less so. You discuss a literature showing that managers of firms can learn from the pricing of their securities. Why is that the case? And how would CEDS adoption be expected to affect this managerial learning? What effects would CEDS adoption be expected to have on the production of private information by investors and analysts who suddenly, as you point out, have easier access to this information rather than going to one of three reading rooms in in DC or New York or Chicago? As an investor, whenever they buy a stock, there's always going to be a counterparty. If you find a a stock is valuable, another person is willing to sell it to you because they don't expect that it's going to be as valuable going forward. So the demand that investors have for stock is the function of both the public information, stuff that's commonly known by most people following these companies, as well as their private information, stuff that isn't as well known. And I want to point out here that private information isn't illegal. And it's not necessarily insider information. It's just information that was costly to come up with. It's creating this mosaic of information from which to base their investment decisions. So it could be digging deeply into a firm's financials to find those diamonds in the rough. And it's not clear how CEDS affects the information acquisition by investors, their incentive to acquire this private information that's costly to do. On one hand, you have these disclosure processing costs significantly lowered with the introduction of these platforms. And so that's going to make many investors want to acquire more information simply because it's less costly to do so. However, on the other hand, it also lessens the benefits of this informational advantage that certain investors had. And so certain investors, especially institutional investors that maybe would go to these reading rooms, would throw up their hands and say, oh, it's not worth to spend all this time and effort to dig deeply into these companies if I know a lot of other investors out there are going to be able to easily do the same thing. This information advantage prior to the introduction of CEDS for a lot of these institutional investors was extremely valuable. If you had access to these reference rooms and you could quickly process this information, you had this informational advantage that a lot of other investors didn't have. So to make things a little bit more concrete, Let's suppose you're a deep value investor that's realized that certain planned capital expenditures by a firm are value enhancing. It's more value enhancing than what you think most people will anticipate. So naturally, you're going to want to trade on this information. And if you're a large institutional investor, that's going to maybe move some of the stock price. Now, where managerial learning comes in is I think most of us can assume that the CEO is probably the most informed person when it comes to the company's stock price. But that's not to say that he's all-knowing. And so if there's a lot of this private information that investors are trading on, the manager might be able to learn a little bit about whether some of his decisions are good or bad. If he's aware that a lot of this effort is going into analyzing his company. Obviously, if there's less of this private information that's being impounded into price, 
because so many of these institutional investors are putting up their hands and saying this hard work that we're going through is getting competed away with other investors. Perhaps the manager is not going to learn as much from looking at his own stock price and realizing that a lot of the information that's going to be impounded in a price is primarily going to be public or commonly known information and less of this private information. This, I think, is a good set of background points for your paper. And I'd like to turn to the research that your paper contributed. What research questions did you and your co-authors set out to answer? And how did you design your study? My co-authors and I, we really wanted to understand how CEDS affected managerial learning. I mean, if you think about it, these platforms were a seismic shift in the disclosure processing costs for many investors. And they really leveled the playing field on who could access financial disclosures. And as a result, that was going to change the incentive that investors had to acquiring this privately hard-to-get information. So if investors are less incentive to trade on private information, it's likely that there's this hidden cost from something that seems to be a very equitable solution to the capital markets in the sense that managers are no longer able to look at their own stock prices to learn more about the environment in which they operate. Now, we wanted to look outside the U.S., and we wanted to look across countries because in a lot of ways, the United States is a very unique capital market. It's the largest and most developed, and frankly, just the most transparent capital market that's in the world. And given that processing costs were a huge component in here, we wanted to look across countries because having opaque capital markets would maybe mean that the effects and the incentive structure to acquire private information would vary across countries. So what we did is we reached out to regulators and did a lot of searching, and we found that information on 29 countries for when they implemented CEDS, as well as some of the information and background for what motivated to do it and what the actual platform looked like. Given all this information, we simply asked, how sensitive are a firm's disclosure decisions with changes in its own stock price? That is your research design, and those are the questions that you set out to answer. I'd like to talk about your findings, and these I might break down into three parts. One set of findings relates to learning effects from the introduction of CEDS, the other to cross-sectional effects, and the last to welfare effects. So let's take learning effects first. What effects on managerial learning are associated with CEDS adoption around the world? We set out to look at what actions are going to be most sensitive to stock price. And we realized that was probably going to be managerial investments. So how do they choose and select capital expenditure products? And how do they invest in R&D technologies? The idea being that with managerial learning, if a CEO can look at his stock price and have some assurance that there's a lot of hard private information that's embedded into the stock price, these investment decisions are likely to be sensitive to changes in the stock price. And so what we find is that following the introduction of CEDS, managers learn less from stock price. What that means is that their investment decisions, capital expenditures and R&D expenses, are going to be less sensitive to changes in the company's stock price. With the idea being that the informational advantage that embedded a lot of this private information has now gone away, or at least been greatly diminished. So what we essentially find is that considering the trade-offs that CEDs had on the capital markets, by lowering the disclosure processing costs, but also decreasing the benefits from acquiring private information, what we find is that the lowered benefits seems to win out. And we find a lot of evidence consistent with this idea of crowding out of private information. 
If you look at following the implementation of CEDS, we find that there's a lot more retail investors that are entering the market for these stocks and the fraction of institutional investors decline. And we find this effect concentrated in firms that are in less competitive industries. The idea being that in less competitive industries, a CEO has less outside information from which to glean what the appropriate actions would be. If there's a lot fewer competitors, this CEO might not be able to look at a competitor and say, ah, those are the actions I want to be taking. And so as a result, they tend to rely more on looking inwardly, looking at their own stock price, because it's one of the few places where they can look outside and acquire more information. That being said, we find evidence that CEOs' investment decisions actually become more responsive to peer firm stock price, with the idea being that even though I might not have as much information related to my own decisions, I can more easily look across to my competitors to see what they're doing. How are technology and regulatory environments associated with CEDS adoption effects? Are there any reasons for why this might be? The short answer is yes, there are reasons. And that was actually the big reason why we wanted to look across countries. We wanted to understand what particular aspects of these platforms result in amplifying or mitigating this effect. And what we find is that this reduction in managerial learning is greatest in places with smaller financial markets, fewer sell-side analysts who could otherwise distill the information, and essentially generally countries with weaker governance and weaker rule of law. The idea being that the implementation of CEDS had a bigger shock for these countries on the disclosure processing costs that investors face and a reduction in the informational advantage for certain investors. And as a last set of findings in your paper, uh, let's talk about the welfare effects. Why might the introduction of a CEDS be associated with increases or decreases in shareholder value? And what associations did you find in your study? Even though our paper is focused on this feedback effect of managers learning from stock price and basing future decisions on that, that's just really one piece of the puzzle. There are actually a lot of benefits from these platforms. They go just beyond this idea of equity and leveling the playing field. We also find evidence that the market becomes more liquid, so it's easier for investors to trade and for firms to raise capital in these markets. As a result, we find that this lowered cost of capital leads to firms to engage in more value-enhancing projects. So we actually find evidence that profitability like ROA increases for these firms following the CEDS. So net-net, the benefits are really there for these platforms. And we're just highlighting one particular cost that people should be aware of when these platforms go into effect. What key takeaways would you like listeners to have from this conversation and from the paper? What we find is that CEDS has a lot of benefits, but it doesn't only influence the capital markets that some people call a sideshow. It actually impacts the real economy, namely how firms make investment decisions. And what we find is that even though there's a lot of benefits to this, there is this hidden cost. This hidden cost is that it's crowding out private information. It's giving managers less information when looking at their stock price on whether or not their behavior is perceived good or bad. So I think the key takeaway is, is that there are these hidden costs. Our guest today has been Charles McClure, Assistant Professor of Accounting at the University of Chicago. We've discussed his paper, Disclosure Processing Costs and Market Feedback Around the World, which he wrote with co-authors Sean Shi of Stanford University and Edward Watts of Yale University. I'll link to the paper in the show notes for the episode. Charlie, thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. 
If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app, or let other people know about it too. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. Andrew Jennings.